0: Okay. Good afternoon. We are here with Teresa Tamayo, and uh, we are so glad you could join us for our Faith in Ale podcast. Glad to be here. Um, Faith in Ale is a podcast uh, part of the apostolate of our Faith in Ale men's group, and you'll be speaking tonight to our Faith in Ale and Faith in Wine. Faith
1: in Wine, Faith in Ale. Yeah,
0: the yeah. joint event. The men and women come together tonight, mm-hmm. and we're really excited to have you. You are um, all over Catholic media. Um, you're, you are a writer, um, radio host. TV talk show host on EWTN, um, you've had a long successful career in Catholic media and secular media mm-hmm. and uh, so you have a lot of things that you could comment on, a lot of perspectives. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we're glad to have you but first thing I wanted to ask was, what are you going to be talking about tonight to our folks?
1: Well my presentation tonight is on my book Beyond Sunday, Becoming a 24-7 Catholic. It's it's not just a book, we call it an, uh, a movement because we have the book, we have a study guide, we have an online uh, video series that comes with the uh, the whole package. And we're really just trying to get people to embrace their faith more fully uh, Mm -hmm. Beyond Sunday. I'm going to share the story of where the title came from. I was having a discussion with my mother-in-law, and she noticed that a lot of our friends are very involved in their faith. And she said to me, you and your friends are the only ones I know who take their faith Beyond Sunday. Mm. And it got me thinking about, I'm a revert. I never joined another church, but I fell away for many years. How so many of us grow up with the beauty and the traditions and the rituals but we don't really understand what it means in, in terms of how beautiful the faith is and how incredible that relationship with Christ can be yeah. within, within the church. So that's what the book's about, and that's what the presentation's about
0: tonight. Wow, that's wonderful. What do you find amongst um, a lot of lay Catholics today? Are they struggling to live the faith because life has so many demands on them, or are they struggling to live the faith... Because the church or the church men are not offering to them what they need, what they say, what they're you know they're not being satiated by what they're being given on Sunday. So they're not being motivated properly on Sunday, or is it that um, life is putting too many demands on them in terms of work life and being able to balance all of that, raising f- families in very high stress world, or is it a combination of those things?
1: It's a combination. It's definitely a combination. I think if you um, look back, and and I'm almost 60 years old. I'm 59 when I was raised in the 60s and 70s. I mean, I had a good Catholic education for eight years. I had an excellent Catholic education, which gave me a love for the Eucharist, but I I wasn't prepared to go out after grade school in 1973 when we didn't have focus, we didn't have teen life, we didn't have all these great conferences where they take kids and they have a young adult track. So the faith that I learned and fell in love with was was not in terms of reinforced as much after I graduated from grade school went into a public high school, and then the world just kind of threw everything at us, so I think it 's a combination, and the church was not prepared and i 'm going to talk about this in my presentation as I talk in the book. The church was always teaching uh, you know from from the chair of Peter and the beautiful teachings of the church that, that are that are carried out and are proved more true every yep. day. But I think it had a hard time keeping up with the mass media explosion and all the cultural confusion that was happening back in the 60s and 70s. And that's when we saw a lot of people get pulled away. Maybe they were still going to church, but now if they're adults and they're working, they may still identify as Catholic, but Mm -hmm. everything else has moved in. So it's definitely a combination of things. I know it was a combination of things for me.
0: Okay. So... You mentioned um, about how um, many Catholics fell away in the 70s and 80s from the faith. Um, There was a a study done recently by Harvard that looked at the intensity of faith amongst Christians in the United States. Um, And they found that where it was most strong was where it was most orthodox, Um, where it was practiced um, uh, the best. uh, People were more drawn to that. So that lukewarmness, that um, kind of trying to play nice with the world aspect that you found in a lot of strands of Christianity was actually a turn off to a lot of people um, because it didn't come across as authentic. Right. But what we've seen now is that authentic Catholicism Go figure. is actually more attractive. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, your thoughts on that, where the church is growing and where it's dying, right. well, particularly I think in the United States.
1: I think it's very true whether you look at you know the big mainline Protestant churches, whether it's Episcopalian, or Presbyterian or even now some of the big mega evangelical churches that have a very uh, you know good message in terms of a general Christian message but they, they still may be really leaning toward uh, promoting things such as so-called same-sex marriage or not speaking out against it and then when you have in the Catholic Church when even though they may be saying the Mass properly and, and following liturgical norms they're not really feeding the people. They're just trying to be lukewarm or nice and making people feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you don't see the churches packed. Now, for example, in, in my area, in the Archdiocese of Detroit, we're very blessed. We have a number of really great, we have a great Archbishop, but we also have a number of great priests. For example, uh, a lot of people across the country know Father John Ricardo, and he mm-hmm. is a pastor of Our Lady of Good Counsel. And people flock to him because he is, first of all, very real. He's had a lot of struggles and suffering in his own life. but. He is solid as a day is long, and mm-hmm. he does he does it lovingly, but he draws people on who Christ is and how Christ can change your life. Yeah. People react to that. People need something more because the world leaves them so lacking. I know. I was there, and I tried to, to live the, oh, I'm a little bit spiritual, and I fell away from my faith. Go to Mass once in a while when I need to have a prayer answered. Sure. But it's the truth and the beauty of the faith, of the Eucharist, of who Jesus is, and the saints, and what a good, solid marriage brings you, what commitment brings you, all of those things are the things that satisfy, yeah. not what the world offers. So yeah. that doesn't surprise me at all. Now, I would say, as we were talking before uh, the interview, the world, for example, the media, the culture, and those who are trying to claim Christianity and Jesus was just a nice guy and he, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't want to offend anybody, That is, they're trying to make it seem that we are not the ones who are growing when we are. So yeah. they're giving you an opposite picture of what is, what is happening, but I say in the churches, whether it's a strong, let's say, our brothers and sisters in the Protestant church and the Baptist faith, those ones are probably the strongest in their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing very well, and I think the Orthodox churches, Catholic churches that are following and they're true to the faith, not beating people over who the, have the catechism and the Bible, but loving them enough to say, Jesus loves you where you're at, but he doesn't want to leave you there. And what we give you in the church teachings, the orthodoxy, is the best thing that you can embrace for your yeah. life. Yeah. I want
0: to pull on that thread a little bit about leaving you there because that's, I think, what a lot of, or a lot of, if I may say, a lot of bishops and priests are right. falling down in perhaps their, their their job as shepherds for a lot of Catholics is their um, forgiving sins. It's almost a false sense of mercy. Fulton Sheen talked a lot about this, about mm-hmm. false mercy of. Mm-hmm forgiving their sins, but not picking them up and helping them go along the way and ensuring that they do their best not to sin anymore and understanding the true nature of why they're sinning. Um, a lot of We're seeing a lot of failures in that regard, trying to just kind of wash over a lot of sins right. and just hope that people will um, change their lives, but not giving them the roadmap to how they actually can change their lives. Um, you talk to a lot of people through your radio show. What do you hear from people in terms of, what they're yearning for. And, they want and that, truth. They, they want, want guidance,
1: truth. and they, w- they want structure. And, I mean, just go right to Scripture. This is not rocket science. We yeah. make it so complicated. If, if you look, for example, one of the stories I, I always share from my, one of my favorite gospel uh, reflections is, is uh, the Gospel of John and the Samaritan Woman. Mm-hmm. Jesus meets her at the well, and she's coming into the city of, Samar- of Samaria in the middle of the day because yeah. it's it's hot and nobody will see her. She's living a very... Uh, you know, um, how do you want to say uncouth uh, life, mm-hmm. especially back then where she was living with a man to whom she wasn't married? Yeah. She had five husbands. I mean, that would be scandalous somewhat today, right?
0: Yeah, even and today. And
1: so, who's waiting for her at the well? God. Mm-hmm. Not just anybody, but God. Yeah. And, you know, a woman and a Samaritan woman. Men did not, especially Jewish men, did Mm -hmm. not converse with with women a lot, openly or ask for their opinion because they weren't even allowed to testify in court. But here she comes, this woman of ill repute, in the middle of the day trying to hide from everybody, get her water, go back home. And Jesus meets her right where where she's at. But he takes her on this journey. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't uh, affirm her lifestyle. He recognizes what she's doing. But at the same time, he says, I have something much better and you're worth more. You can do better than this. I have a better life for you. But he first reaches out to her in love, shows her that she's not living to her full potential. And then what happens? She recognizes someone who knows who she is, who loves her enough to tell her the truth, but to bring her to a different place. And she is considered one of the first evangelists because that chapter of John's Gospel shows that she leaves the water jug Mm -hmm. and goes into town to tell people about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So again, Jesus meets you where you're at, Mm -hmm. but he loves us enough not to leave us there. One of my favorite teachers, and I'm going to quote him several times tonight, Archbishop Chaput from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. I just can't get enough of reading him, and when he gives a talk, I'm always online right away to look at his, his addresses. But... He says that you know this, this whole idea of accompanying someone is great mm-hmm. as long as you don't accompany them off a cliff. Because that's, right. that's what we tend to do, right? is yeah. what we're just saying. Yes. Okay, we're going to accompany you. Well, to where? Where yeah, exactly are end. we going? Yeah. Are we getting out of this sin? I mean, God yeah. forbid if someone uh, has an addiction, whether it's a pornography addiction or uh, whether it's alcoholism, we, knows the, we know those are illnesses and yeah. they need to be treated. And the case, uh, both actually, have physical ramifications in terms of affecting the body. And we know that there are some hereditary cases with alcoholism, but you don't say, well, you're okay, you're fine, I know this is an illness, don't worry about getting treated. Mm -hmm. You need to help that person recognize that this is an illness and they need to get treated. And the same thing with pornography addiction or any other serious thing. Now, um, alcoholism is, is a physical illness, but you still need to help someone, right? Of course. That's the idea. If you help someone with their situation... Whatever the problem is, and say, okay, we can move beyond this. You go to reconciliation, receive the sacrament of confession, yeah. but then what's the next step? That's what people need. That's what they truly want. Yeah, deep down.
0: You spoke about the, uh, and it's also one of my favorite scriptures about the woman at the well. You have a wonderful countercultural show on Edia Butia, and I would say it serves as the anecdote to what's on another right. more mainstream channel. But that channel. was the whole idea. To yeah, sure. The view. Yeah, um, talk about. The role of women in today's society women obviously underwent a massive cultural revolution in the 1960s and 70s mm-hmm. and in fact it happened in the church right uh throwing off the habits and um you know abandoning their their mm-hmm. relig- the religious life um you know uh, we saw women in droves leave behind um, their vows uh, become married and then even more so obviously a lot of women that have left the home and are successful working women but um, what has happened to the family um, as a result of this this kind of compromise we made of women going out into the workforce and competing with men for um, the prize of right. material wealth or power or you know all the things that are out there?
1: Well, I think what's great about being a, a woman in the Catholic Church is so the Church doesn't say that every woman has to stay home and right. raise children. The Church right. says, as a married woman, you have to be open to life. A couple has to be open to life. It doesn't right. say you have to have five, six, seven as long as you're open to life. Yeah. The church also is very much for women out there in the world working. Yeah. But the church is all about balance, yeah. and that's what I love about being Catholic. And what really excited me when I was making my way back to the church is looking at some of those writings, the papal letter to women. Mm-hmm. John Paul the II's On the Dignity and Vocation of Women, the big long title, Mulieris Dignitatum. Yeah. If you were just to take For example, the paper letter to women and not know who wrote it, you would think that a feminist wrote that. Because within that letter, there's an apology to women of the world and there's a thank you to women of the world for all the different roles that we play. What's happened is, as you said, is we didn't understand who we were made in the image and likeness of God, male and female, both equal. Right. We're mm-hmm. equal, but we're different. So yep. we have different roles. And we as, as women are moms. I don't have any children of my own, but I'm a spiritual mom. That, mm-hmm. that nature of nurture is in us. True. And we were told by the world, and I was told this my whole career, because I was in a very, very competitive career, you can't have a family. Right. If you get married, you better not put your relationship first. Forget about it, as we would say on the East Coast, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so that was drilled into us, even starting in high school when I expressed an interest in journalism. And a lot of us bought that hook, line, and sinker, not knowing that it was okay that if we wanted to stay home, if we wanted to maybe do, do both, that's fine too. But as long as we understood our role and not try to be men... And there's so much confusion out there and this is this is what i try to help people do when you see a story and i guess this is because my training as a journalist there are so many news stories that reflect the truth of church teaching i think one of the biggest ones when it comes to women is the me too movement Hmm. think about the how scandalous that was and all these women were very brave coming out and talking about sexual harassment huge problem not just in our church but everywhere right in hollywood in the business world in the news business and these women who first broke the story, the first one was Harvey Weinstein, but then it all started coming out just in droves. And you think about it, what were they saying? I am not an object. Mm. I deserve dignity. I deserve respect. Yeah. You can't force me to do something. Well, what does the church teach us? Humanivite is all about respecting right. women. Right. And what did Paul the VI say? If you if you go down this road of mm-hmm. artificial contraception and abortion, yeah. women are going to be the prime objects. Of course, all of his his predictions came true to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And so you look at the Me Too movement and you look at how women are hungry for dignity, yeah. but they still can't get. I think the Me Too in the in the beginning did a great job of raising awareness, but at the same time they're still promoting things and involved in in areas of the culture that are, are hurting not helping their cause yeah. because you can't continue down the same path of saying I want to do whatever I want with anyone and then not expect to be treated like an object if you sit down and you if you looked at some of the the statements that Harvey Weinstein and some of these men who were accused of um, sexual harassment they said that they didn't think it was harassment they thought it was mutual Mm-hmm. where did they get that message they were conditioned by a culture that is saying that that anybody can do anything to anyone yeah. and that's where i think the me too movement lost its way but this is where the church comes in but mm-hmm. we have to get it out there and we have to get it out there in a way people can understand yeah
0: now with women advancing into parts of society that were normally dominated by men um and perhaps going a little bit uh too far mm-hmm. uh, men have Have receded they have they have given up the playing field given up the battlefield in a a lot of ways um a lot of men have become much more feminized in their roles in marriages Mm -hmm. um men are not as ambitious as we've seen a lot of studies men are not as ambitious in their careers Um, a lot of single men um, even good catholic single men finding it very difficult to find a spouse um, because they can't relate to women of today Talk a little bit about men and how they have maybe suffered as a result of, um, radical kind of that, that, that radical I, feminism. I yeah. think
1: men are, are very confused and I think they're scared. I mean, I notice that I travel you know, several times a month. I'm on the road for speaking engagements. And it's funny because I love it when somebody offers to help me with my luggage because I've always put in one too many pairs of shoes and the luggage <laughs> is too heavy. It's like, please, yes, help me. And I've had men several times say, I'm um, is it okay if I help you? I mean, yeah. you're okay with that, right? Because they're so paranoid that they're going to be accused of being discriminatory or something. So even being courteous courteous to someone is some is somehow looked down upon. I, I think there is a lot of confusion, and I think we need to to get the roles back. The problem is is the world perceives if a man, say, a man says he's strong and he wants to take a leadership role, which is that that's men's nature. Our sure. nature is to be nurturers, as, right. as strong nurturers as as women, and we we're receivers. And you guys are, are the leaders. That's how we were designed. But it's not leading in a, I'm going to grab you by the hair. Right. You know, the quiet man, John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara dragging her across the <laughs> Irish countryside. It's, I'm going to submit and I'm going to put my life down for you. Yeah. Just like Christ did on the cross. Yeah. You know, the, the whole thing where they read Ephesians 5 and they freak because it talks about submission. Wives be submissive yeah. to your husbands, but they never go further. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves loved. the church. church. What a Christ, do we die for the church? That's right. Again, it's, it's confusion. And the world has painted the church and anything where you use the word submission or surrender as a negative. Yeah. And that's, we have to switch that around. And And men are just, right now, just very confused. And then you add in all the gender ideology that's going on, and it's even more confusing. So... There's a lot of problems out there, but there's also a lot of hope because I see movements, for example, like the Theology of the Body Institute or the Fellowship of Catholic University Students or these amazing orders of nuns like the Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist or Mm -hmm. Sisters of Life in New York growing. They can't keep up with the Mm -hmm. inquiries that they're getting. So truth is, I think, even speaking more loudly now because of all the confusion in the world, Yeah. so I'm hopeful, but I really pray for, for men, and I, and I feel badly for it, because I run into a lot of people in speaking engagements, and it is hard to, to really reach out because you just don't know. The expectations are all over the place. Yeah.
0: We just celebrated two great feast days in the church, St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day. Um, St. Patrick's Day, unfortunately, has been um, taken over by the secular world and mm-hmm. now become a day of debauchery and drinking to excess, um, perhaps our world needs, needs a little bit more St. Joseph. Um, there was a, a kind of a video and picture going around uh, media in the last few days of, of a great procession uh, through Detroit with, um, I believe it was the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest, mm-hmm. um, and this procession of men carrying Saint, st- a statue of St. Joseph. And mm-hmm. just this, you could see on their faces the um, kind of almost a stoic, and a, a stoic Catholicism, I want to say, where men knowing their place, knowing what their role is, like St. Joseph, uh, submitting to, to God, being obedient to God, but also leading as mm-hmm. St. As Joseph led Mary. If you could talk a bit about St. Joseph, and um, you're an Italian-American like mm-hmm. myself, and St. Joseph has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of strong devotion to St. To right. Joseph mm-hmm. amongst Italians. Um, what is St. Joseph's role in 2019 for Catholic men and women, for, for the Holy Family.
1: Well, it's interesting because my husband and I are on our way to give a, um, a three-day parish retreat in Washington State, and he's using, in the one of the talks he's doing for men, he's using St. Joseph as a role model. And we both just came back from co-hosting a pilgrimage with Steve Ray in the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. And we spent a lot of time in Nazareth, and we were at the house where they believed Jesus was raised, and Steve Ray, our, our host in The Footprints of God, pilgrimages always does a, a great job of talking about St. Joseph, And he's such a role model because he, was, he led with such quiet strength. Yeah. And he just went about the day of you know, taking care of the household and getting up and going to work and eventually when Jesus was old enough, bringing him with us. But I think we, we have gotten away from the beauty of the everyday relationship in the family mm. and how incredible that is. There was a song that came out, and I remember when I was in, at the ABC affiliate in Detroit, I was doing a series on marriage, and it was a song by Carly Simon of all. And it was called The Stuff That Dreams Are Made Of. Mm-hmm. And the words to it were very um, prophetic. You know, I, I like to look at culture and see where we can draw truth from because sure. it's, it's there. But the song is about taking a look at your house and what's going on. You know, Look in your own backyard, look at your spouse, look at your kids. It's the stuff that dreams are made of. Yeah. And when you come right down to it, that's really what people want. They want a family. They want to be loved. They want to be needed. And they want something that matters at the end of the day. And this is what St. Joseph did. Every day, Mm -hmm. protected Mary, made a big risk in terms of, you know, when they found out that she was expecting a child and, oh, my goodness, what happened? And then he was told in a dream and and followed the the will of God, not his own will, and was an amazing earthly father for Mm -hmm. Jesus. I think his gentleness— and the fact that he was in the background, imagine being having the Virgin Mary yeah. in your house completely sinless, yeah. and then God. It's kind of like, oh,
0: yeah. what talk are you going to do? Exactly, but talk yeah.
1: about humility. Yeah. So I just think he's, he's a great role model, General St. Joseph, and, and I think we need to look more toward him.
0: For yeah. Help. yeah, we agree. Um, as, as a lot of fathers that are involved with our faith and Ill, men's apostolate, um, that's the role model I think we mm-hmm. all look, look to. Is uh Saint Joseph, uh, his quiet nature, as you yeah. mentioned, and and obviously um, he still provided for his family. Right. He took care of his family, right. but again, not to excess. Everything in moderation and balance. You yeah. spoke about that earlier.
1: The church is all about balance, and that's what I love about it. And it doesn't say, well, you can't do that. I mean, there there are rules and there are regulations for all of us, but but what is it for? It's for balance in our lives. Yeah. It's not to you know, as Father John Ricardo says, God is not some ogre in the sky trying to squash our fun he is he is a lord who loves us and his plan is the best plan but he just wants us to be willing to work with him in that plan
0: yeah you spent a lot of time in the media uh radio tv um uh, print media Mm -hmm. um what are your thoughts on the media today obviously they are making themselves the news in a lot of ways um, in terms of how they um, present stories. Um, it's almost like everything is opinion journalism now. There's no real true journalism and reporting of facts. Instead, you get this just proliferation of opinion amongst all, all the spectrums of the, of the media, mm-hmm. left, right, center. Right. Um, what are your thoughts, having spent time in secular media, now you obviously in Catholic media, um, on that?
1: I'm, it breaks my heart. Because I studied journalism and I was in the secular media for twenty years, and uh, for the most part, unfortunately, I think real journalism is gone i 'm mm. uh, just so um, upset at recent stories, for example, that whole thing with the Covington Catholic situation that was just out of control. story after story it is it, for the most part is propaganda. Mm. Uh, And there is a certain agenda, there's a great confirmation bias out there. And that's what happened with the Covington Catholic students, where uh, the media have an image, and they think anybody right of center, anybody who's pro-life, anybody who supports any type of conservative, especially if they're a Catholic conservative, then they they must be Looney Tunes. And so when they they saw what they thought was a perfect opportunity... If they had any common sense, they would have stopped and said, "This is way too good to be true. This can't all be fitting into this perfect puzzle of our right. own, you know, biases." But they're 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 so consumed with hate for people that they think uh, think incorrectly, mm-hmm. and they just don't care. And and they're getting away with so much. And I'm not one. I'm not a big one for being in this litigious society. I think a lot of people sue for stupid reasons sure. and, and small things. But in this case, mm. I'm really glad that they hired these lawyers and that they're going after them. Because the only way the media, and I mean the secular media, are going to be taken to task is by hitting them in the pocketbook. Because yeah. really, there's no way to control them. I mean, you, and you can sue them for defamation, as they are, and, and, and slander. But there are no laws. For example, like if a doctor said, does something wrong, he can be disbarred. Sure. Uh, you, you can't haul a reporter into court for you know, saying something bad about somebody. You, know, you, true. you have to go and you have to sue them, basically. Yeah. But this is to the point where lives were greatly affected and damaged. And with everything that was done to those young kids, especially Nick Sandman, so irresponsible. Mm -hmm. And even after the videos showed the opposite Mm -hmm. of what happened, of what they claimed happened, the Washington Post, CNN, those are the two big ones being sued right now for a quarter of a billion dollars, they're doubling down, actually saying that they thought that they did their job. They They are to the point where they can't see the forest for the trees they just are so blinded by their bias yeah. and you can hear it in every different type of story that they cover it's it's everywhere yeah. everywhere
0: now that's a story that was grossly over publicized and, and 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 misreported right and then we have stories that are completely underreported, like what's happening in nigeria to christians being right. slaughtered there bombing in a philippine cathedral i believe a basilica mm-hmm. in the philippines in end of january Um, churches in in France being vandalized Um, there's a lot of things that are happening maybe not here in the United States but around the world against Christians and Catholics uh, specifically what are your thoughts on what's happening around the world it seems as though Europe tends to be um, always a few months or years ahead of where we are in terms of where the culture is moving and not usually in a good way
1: Yeah, well, I think um, a lot of these stories don't fit in into the agenda of the secular media because the people, maybe, who may be accused of doing these, they want to portray all of them, you know, these particular groups in a a very positive light, so they don't want to put anything out there that would be, you know, deemed negative. Um, And unfortunately, unless you're going to be following EWTN, relevant radio, Catholic News Agency, National Catholic Register, these other good, really solid, you know, Catholic news outlets, you're not going to hear about it. But if you do hear about it, and hopefully you are listening to these good outlets, then you can share them on Facebook and you can get the word out there. People need to realize what's going on. And it's it's getting closer and closer. I mean, it's getting more and more aggressive in terms of, of what's happening. The funny thing is, there's so much deflection and projection going on. I don't know if you heard the story that just broke about the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yes. Mm-hmm. About how they're being sued mm-hmm. for being racist.
0: Yeah, the founder, the co-founder, yes. right, has resigned. Yes. Yeah. yeah, has resigned. Yeah. And, and
1: I, I, was, I was just, my head was spinning, thinking these are people who call us haters, right. <laughs> other Christian groups haters, right? And then they have African-American employees who have been complaining for years and nothing changing. Yeah. And how, you know, and here they are, yelling at everybody else, and yet right in their own house. And, and that's very true with the media as well. Mm-hmm. The media talk about equality. And, you know, look, look at what happened with Matt Lauer, right, on NBC. Yeah. They're all about going after people for sexual harassment and criticizing this politician and that politician. When I was in the newsroom, I saw it all the time. It never happened to me personally, but I saw the bias and the sexism and the way they treated women the way they, versus the way they treated men. And then if mm-hmm. a company did that... Another company outside of business, they will be all over it. It would be headline news. but you right. think they would talk about it in their own newsrooms? Right. But now it's all coming, now it's all starting to come out.
0: They seem to project their worst sins yes. onto others. Yes.
1: And now we have, for example, with um, the whole thing with the unplanned movie that's coming out. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic movie. I, I endorsed it and I'm doing interviews on it. I, I endorse the book as well. I, there was a story that broke back in February. I don't know if you heard this. Mm-hmm. At a Catholic college in the Midwest, there were several professors that had a panel. Liberal professors who had mm-hmm. a panel on the life issues, and they were attacking pro-lifers, saying that we were white supremacists. And I'm saying, <laughs> well, that's interesting, right. considering that we are out there every day fighting for the lives, and the first people on the front lines are the are the African American, Hispanic babies. Yeah. Seventeen million African American babies have died. Yeah. Due to abortion.
0: Yeah. Not to mention that Margaret Sanger is. One well, of exactly.
1: The, and you got. I'm like, like okay, wait a minute. And history. they said that the reason we're doing it. The reason we want to stop abortion is because we want to produce more white people to keep down mm-hmm. the the other races. And I'm saying, but we're the ones fighting for you, right, for your children. Right. Why aren't you addressing that you lose that, that that you and why aren't you addressing the fact that all these abortion clinics are in the inner city? So it's all this projection and deflection that's going on.
0: Yeah. You mentioned some wonderful Catholic mm-hmm. media apostlets. You also mentioned the movie that's coming out on unplanned. Mm-hmm. Um Talk a little bit about the role of EWTN and other great Catholic media organizations out there today doing the job that maybe the church should have been doing all along in terms of really getting involved in the new media evangelization, producing films, um, doing what a simple none like Mother Angelica did in founding a, a Italian, uh, by uh, the way. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in founding a global TV station. <laughs> yeah. um, miraculously, I believe, oh, yeah. uh, the way that took off. There's so many miracles off.
1: associated with, with her and yeah. uh, what happened. So maybe yeah.
0: talk a little about Mother Angelica and then yeah. just the Catholic media movement as it as it stands today.
1: Well, I think the good news is is that we have a lot of great um, bishops that have supported us and still support us. Archbishop Chapu is one of our greatest supporters. He's on our board and he's just, he's a rock star in my yeah. eyes. I can't say enough. He's such a great leader. I've got great support of my archbishop in the Archdiocese of Detroit who just backs, he's on the board of Ave Maria Radio, and he backs us. And so I think there are bishops who get it and are mm-hmm. working with us and have been working with us. But I think we have to we have to understand that sometimes we take this role that, well, the bishops aren't doing enough, the priests aren't doing enough. I'm married to a deacon. My husband's been a deacon mm-hmm. for seven years, so this is a important topic for me. And I'm really seeing now... Even more than I have, and I've been—I'm very close to a lot of bishops and priests, and I've, I'm blessed to be able to talk with them a lot about what's going on in the church because of my work. Sure, but I'm able to see a different perspective now, being on the inside with my husband about how how they're so spread thin—the the bishops and the priests and and the work that they have, and I think the laity, really, and we—we're starting to do this now. I think that's happened in the last ten to fifteen years with all these great lay apostolates that have risen, but the laity in the pews has really got to own the fact that this is our church, too. That yeah. it's, it's not just up to the bishops. And Fulton Sheen said that. Mm-hmm. Who's going to save the church? It's yeah. going to be the laity, he said. Yeah. And so I, I think the bishops have come alongside us and supported us in, in our mission with EWTN, Relevant Radio, all these other great things that are out there. I think they're really trying. I, I think there's a really, I, I, we've got huge problems in the church, I'm not denying that. I talk about that on my show all the time. Mm-hmm. But I also see a lot of really, really good people that are working hard. But I think the importance of EWTN is that what we give you is, because the church is the fullness of the truth, we're giving mm-hmm. you everything through the lenses, as Al Cresta always says, the lenses of scripture and the teachings of the Catholic church. Yeah. So when something happens, you can turn to us and say, what does that mean for me as a Catholic? How mm-hmm. am I supposed to respond to this? And that's what I try to do on my show every day. But I really believe, and I think it was um, Father Apostoli who said this at one of our conferences years ago, our family conferences, that it wasn't for EWTN and Mother Angelica. He believes the Catholic Church would be much worse off in this country right oh, I now. I agree. Because I think she re-catechized the yeah, church.
0: I agree. Yeah. yeah I, I
1: really do. I think that when they—and just, just by simply doing things just as— having a mass for shut-ins in the morning yeah. or talking about the Eucharist or just going on the air and just talking as a real person and some of the struggles she had. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that, reaching out to people. And how many stories have we heard? And I I get this all the time. People just happen to come across mm-hmm. Ave Maria Radio yeah. or an EW, another EWTN affiliate, and it changes their lives.
0: Yeah. yeah. The power of the media, um, I think, has been underestimated by a lot of our church mm-hmm. leaders, too many of our church right. leaders for so long. Obviously, there have been great bishops that have supported EWTN and other Right, consulates. there's a
1: misunderstanding, and I yeah. think for a long time there was a concern, and, and you could understand it to some degree, where they, they're they're so stretched for, for money, they're worried that, oh my gosh, they're going to come along and they're going to want to take more money from us and put it into radio. The truth is, is our research shows that, that if you have people who are on fire for their faith, yeah. and Catholic radio and TV helps get them there, the first thing they're going to do is go and give back to their parents. Of course. So it's a win-win. Of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, there's always Mm -hmm. uh, right here locally. We have Ave Maria University, Uh which was started by Tom Tom Monahan, Monahan. Good friend of
1: mine. And uh,
0: Tom, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, um, followed the model that Mother Angelica, he kind of built the university and the church and then asked for permission later. Right. And, uh, you know, went through a lot of challenges because of that. But now you have a thriving Mm -hmm. Catholic, authentically Catholic university here in southwest Florida. And um, those are the types of you know, role models. They're not perfect, right. but those are the types of role models we need in the church as laity.
1: We have to be willing to, you know, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me 25 years ago that I was going to be a Catholic talk show host and my husband was going to be a deacon, I would have said, you know, you're, you're potso, you're crazy. I don't know yeah. what you're talking <laughs> about, because that was not my plan. I, yeah. I expected to be a you know, secular news person the rest of my life, even after I came back to the church. So uh, we can do so much together. And it's a real difficult time right now, let's be honest. There's all kinds of challenges out yeah. there. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're sin abound, grace abounds even more. Yeah. And I see so many positive things going on because I travel all the time and I, I go to events like Faith yeah. and El and Faith one we're expecting almost 600 people tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm My husband and I are doing a retreat in Washington. I just came back from a retreat last weekend in Oklahoma City. It was their largest ever. People are hungry and, and mm. people know the truth when they
0: see it. How do you think the church, we haven't talked about it, but... Obviously, there's scandals going on all over the church in terms of uh, sexual improprieties and pedophilia. Um, Other than supernaturally, how does the church overcome and heal from what has happened to the church
1: We need uh, more uh, St. Catherine's of Siena. We need Mm. more of her. Um, Archbishop Chaput gave a talk this week and he, he was speaking about being more like her laity, rising up, writing to their bishops, expressing their concerns being strong but being respectful. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have righteous anger as long as it's righteous anger and you're not turning it into resentment because that can build up and then you can you can walk away and it can affect your relationship with God. But I think we have to lovingly keep their feet to the fire. I do not think um, the Rome Summit was all that helpful. A lot of us have been public about that mm-hmm. in the media, Al Cresta, myself, and many mm-hmm. others. So I think they, and they have to really address one of the biggest problems they have to address, and some of them admit it, but a lot of them don't. That there is a problem with homosexuality in the priesthood, yeah. and until they deal with that, they're not going to get to the bottom of it. So we lovingly have to remind them that we need we need the truth. Yeah. We need we need this full disclosure. It's got to be out there. We have to start dealing now. How they deal with it, I mean, there's I, we're not sure yet. We're just still, still trying to figure that out. But in many cases, they're not even still acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. In, with the Rome summit, they even took that part of the discussion off the agenda. Yeah. So there needs to be, especially with the with the hierarchy. Uh, in Rome and, and some other areas of, of, you know, the high levels of the church, they, they really have to admit this and take an honest look and say, okay, we've got we've got some serious issues here.
0: Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Teresa. You're welcome. Um, it is, we are really looking forward to your talk tonight. As you said, we're expecting a great crowd. I think Faith in Ale, Faith in Wine, these are just wonderful examples of what can be done yeah. around the country uh, when done correctly, when they we bring in speakers like yourself that um, boldly speak the truth. So mm-hmm. I want to thank you for that. And if you wouldn't mind closing us out in, sure. uh, in prayer.
1: Amen, hey, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be on this YouTube piece and also on the podcast and to speak tonight to Faith and Ale, Faith and Line. Anyone watching and listening, I just ask you to open your hearts, open your ears to what the Lord has to say to you. Anything that I've said, I hope it encourages you. And I also ask for prayers for my talk and for the ministries of Faith and Ale, and faith, and why they continue to go forward and preach the
0: truth in love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Teresa. Awesome. We're looking forward to our next uh, speaker on pod uh, on the podcast, and uh, we look again. We look forward to having you tonight. Thanks. Take care. Someday.